the idea of pooling all of these grind meats uh, through one system that could feed a large user. So the University of California during the academic year feeds 600,000 people a day in the 10 campuses and five med systems. 600,000 people a day. Good grief. They want to set the pace. They committed to sustainable purchasing, to regenerative products, because the students want it, the docs want it. They want grass-fed beef for their patients because it's got healthier fat, healthier meat, and everybody's worried about climate change. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. We often talk about the need to make improvements in the food system, and there's one person I know that always gets his hands on this issue and actually makes things happen, and I'm I'm happy to have him with me today, and that's Michael Dimmick, president of Roots of Change. Hey, Michael, welcome to Farm to Table Talk. Thank you, Roger. Nice to be with you again. It's been a few years since we've talked on the show. Well, on the show, fortunately, I bump into you every so often, so we yeah. did a few visits, but not as many as I would like, so I'm really happy to now. Saw you not long ago that we were at a dinner and we're going to talk about that because it was another example of where you get your hands on trying to bring about positive changes in in our food system so let's just plunge right in there michael let's explain what you're up to yeah so um as you know, several years ago, 2021, during the COVID pandemic, uh, Roots of Change, the organization I work with, um, and the University of California Food Systems Lab wrote a white paper on the challenges that were becoming very evident because of COVID and the breakdown supply chains around meat, particularly. But then you may, may remember the um, cyber attack on JBS, the largest meat processor in the world that shut that plant down for a week, and they had to pay $11 million to be able to turn their plants back on all around the world. So that made it really clear that there were problems. We uh, met with over 100 different uh, people in the system and got their um, input on what their challenges were, what potential solutions they saw. And so we developed a white paper that mapped all that out, explained it, analyzed it, and offered recommendations. That caught the attention of USDA and the state of California. So we applied for a USDA Ag Marketing Service Regional Food Systems um, Grant, which we received. That gave us three years of funding to work um, to create uh, high-value markets for mid- and small-scale producers in the state of California. So uh, with a focus on Northern California. So basically from Amador in the east to um, uh, San Mateo County in the west, uh, moving all the way north. So we again went out and talked to producers up and down the state, up and down the north part of the state about what they needed. And it was very clear that, you know, a lot of these small producers who are selling direct, one of the big problems they have is they their hamburger meats, what they call the grind meats, um, the braising meats the uh, and the stew meats, which are lower value, um, build up in their storage facilities. Uh, easy to sell the, the high-end steaks. Those are the things that people really want. It's harder often to sell these other kinds of things. So we set the goal in collaboration with some great um, 
advice from our advisors, one of whom is uh, Santana Diaz, the chef uh, and culinary director for UC Davis Med Center, who has a pilot program where he's buying from small producers, uh, regenerative beef, grass-fed beef for his patients so that he feeds every day. So we're building off that system. It's called the beef to institution system that CAF, UC Davis, Healthcare Without Harm, and uh, Richard's Grass-Fed and Tomcat Ranch had been piloting. So we're trying to expand that to all 10 campuses and five medical systems that the University of California purchases for. Wow. you and I met last week at the event where we brought all the links in the supply chain together. What we're talking about is that many of, of these farmers or ranchers are able to, you know, grow their cattle, find a place to process them, which has been another issue that's being attacked. But they're finding a place to process them, even if they can, and they can market product directly to consumers, possibly online, possibly frozen cuts at farmers markets, possibly going directly to some chefs. But what they're selling are like steaks and high-end products. And in the meantime, they've got all this other product that could be used for ground beef or stew beef and so forth. It just kind of, you know, accumulates. And if you can connect it, so then, okay, I kind of get that picture. That's yeah. interesting. And it's it's one that you wouldn't normally think of right off the bat. Yeah. It came out to us in our, in our as we talked to ranchers, uh, you know, they they were saying, hey, I, I end up giving some away to the school district or selling it at really low prices or, and it just builds up and builds up. So they were, the idea of pooling all of these grind meats uh, uh, through one system that could feed a large user. So the University of California during the academic year feed 600,000 people a day in the 10 campuses and five med systems. 600,000 people a day. Good grief. Yeah. So that's a big demand, right? And one of the big challenges we have is can we actually supply it all? My my feeling is that probably it's going to grow, you know, uh, over time. Um, They'll take more and more um, uh, as we get more and more ranchers committing animals. Right now, it's a little bit tough because prices are so high because, the amount of uh, during COVID, there was a lot of culling of animals and and the droughts caused culling of animals. So there are a lot less animals, uh, beef cattle, particularly in the United States. So beef prices are really high at the ranch gate. And so um, uh, a lot of ranchers are just selling because it's phenomenal prices right now. And so it's harder to get into these specialized systems. So, you know, there may not be enough beef to feed all 10 campuses by med systems in the short term. That's going to take a while, I think. Well, it's one of those things, too, as you've described it. I'm sure if we get this working the way that you want it to work here in California, it could be used all over the country, couldn't it? Yeah, I think that was one of the reasons that we really liked the idea of going to the university. The university of California, as you know, is um, the greatest, uh, you know, um, land grant university in in the world. We have UC Davis. There are several campuses that are doing re- ag research. Um, uh, it's an incredible place when it comes to agriculture, and they want to set the pace. They committed to sustainable purchasing to regenerative products because the students want it, the docs want it. They want grass fed beef for their patients because it's got healthier fat, healthier meat. 
Um, and everybody's worried about climate change. So uh, uh, it was just a natural to go to the university because it is a shining light, right? The idea of universities is to enlighten people, to help them see the way towards the future. So uh, it seems natural. The Newsom administration and all its departments are working on getting universal healthy food for all the kids uh, in the K through 12. So this is kind of an outgrowth of that. There's already this big effort by the governor and the first partner who's leading the initiative, working with Karen Ross at the Department of Food and Ag and Wade Crowfoot at the Resources Department and um, the new Secretary of Labor, Stuart Knox, they're all working together to get small and mid-scale organic and regenerative producers to be the source for our school districts. So it was natural for us to do this with the University of California. So if I had, I don't know, a uh, hundred head of cattle or or a little less or a little more or something like that, and I'm able to get them processed and I'm able to market most of the cuts, but then I've got these cuts you're talking about, what, will it be going to a central location to, like the grinding, grind it all together and mix it up and have it held in a volume to be able to ship it to the, you know, UCLA or University of California, Davis or wherever? Mm -hmm. So the idea is to... So at the summit meeting, which preceded the dinner that you and I attended, um, there was a series of talks. The universe, uh, first was um, Secretary Crowfoot, Secretary Ross, um, uh, the Deputy Secretary of Labor, um, and uh, Jenny Lester Moffat from USDA, who funded the project and is working on creating more resilient supply chains. They all spoke about the goals of USDA and the state of California to get to a sustainable, regenerative food system. Then we had uh, people from UC, student, um, uh, the procurement of officer, and uh, Glenn Humiston, who runs agriculture, uh, the school of the school Ag of natural resources, resources, right? Talk about the university's goals. Um, and, uh, and then we broke into, uh, tables that were set up. You ate at a table right. that were all set up. And those tables were set up by regions because California is investing a half a billion dollars in economic development in the state of California and meat processing, food processing is one of the areas for rural regions. They really want to increase, increase more of it. So we had people grouped by their region to work on three questions. How are we going to aggregate? That is, how are we going to collect all the animals in a certain place and transport them? The second question was, how are we going to ensure that we get the processing we need when there's the shortage of processing capacity for this kind of work in the state of California? And the third question is, how are we going to define regenerative and regional? So they were broken into groups to brainstorm these answers to these questions. But conceptually, the idea is where you were going with your question, that we're going to aggregate animals in certain places, and then we're going to ship them to processing plants where they're going to be um, uh, slaughtered, and then uh, the grind meats are going to be collected, and then we will supply the University of California through its to its different systems. So as I said before, there is a pilot program. There's a company called Creamco Meats based in Oakland, which is buying the animals from different ranches around the state of California, um, having them slaughtered, and then then grinding them and packaging them per the requirements of actually about a dozen school districts, K through 12, and then UC Davis, UC Berkeley, 
campuses and UC Davis Med Center. So that's already started. We're just trying to expand it exponentially. But if you just aggregate the animals, isn't that creating feedlots, which we already have feedlots? No, the animals, the goal is to finish the animals and then take them to slaughter facilities. And you, can, if, you if you're going to finish them, um, so you can finish, there are a lot of ranchers in the state of California, and there's a lot more capacity to finish animals in the state of California. One of the things that we really studied, and we brought one of the experts to that meeting, the summit meeting, he was there at the dinner, um, uh, Spencer Smith, uh, who is a Worked has worked with Alan Savory and is one of the certifiers for the land to market label that Alan Savory's uh, the Savory Institute has created. Who is an incredible rancher? He ranches up in the Surprise Valley, up in uh, Modoc County, and uh, advises ranchers all around the United States and the world on how to finish animals on grass. Um, he was there helping people understand that. I've been seeing his talks. I did a podcast with him recently. Our last podcast was with him. Um, there, there's a lot more capacity to finish animals in the state of California. People just have to learn how to do it. Well, they are doing it though, aren't they? I mean, if you've got grass you and it's grass fed, they just stay out there longer than if they go into a feedlot and, and getting grain. Right. So you can finish animals. Back to your question about aggregation. You can finish animals, then send them to the slaughter facility and then package them. But then what I was trying to get at is that if you've got uh, uh, 15, 20 different processing plants created, so whoever's growing the animals can send to that processing plant, and couldn't they just go ahead and process the carcasses and then uh, either, you know, freeze or then ship the meat to the central location to be aggregated? Yeah, probably one of the things we were, so most of my day has been in calls in the aftermath of the summit and the dinner, trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? The next step is to actually come up with scenarios for how does the system work? How is the, how, is it, uh, is it an LLC that buys all the animals from the ranchers who want to participate and then, um, allocates to different slaughter facilities and different packaging facilities, how it's, how, that's going to get done and then has to be shipped according to a schedule to the university, depending on where it wants to go. The, the, all that detail has to be worked out. And so we're we're now conferring with a ton of people who are modeling different ways of doing it around the United States. There are folks in Montana. There are folks in the East Coast. There are folks in Wyoming. There are folks in Oregon. There are people here in California, Creamco's doing it. So we're going to be bringing back to all the people who want to participate in them, in this system, scenarios. And then we're going to have to make decisions. And people are going to decide to be in or out, depending on where we end up, for the mechanism for doing this. I would rather not have all of it go through one facility, because if that facility fails, and as we know, the meat processing world is a very, very uh, risky business. A lot of companies go out of business. So we want to kind of divide up to share the risk, um, to, you know, uh, minimize the risk of being dependent on one source. The whole idea of resilience is to have uh, lots of different sources um, for meat uh, coming off the off the land and then processing. Uh, the Secretary of Agriculture um, made a incredible number of speeches in the last few years in which he said we have spent too much time concentrating and we have created real um, brittleness in our system, real risks in our system by concentrating too much. So we don't want to do that. You know, on a whole different scale, I think of this as what's going on globally. This is like shrinking down to local what's already doing global because I went down and met with a 
a company that was bringing hamburgers into most of the of the major fast food chains. And really, they were kind of doing something similar, but they were sourcing uh, ground beef material from five or six countries and and blending it. And they were bringing it in frozen on ships uh, to southern one well, of the Southern California ports, and they were grinding it up. So you would end up having, and that's why the beef industry has been ticklish about identifying country of origin, right. because it it you know makes your hair stand on end if you were if you were looking at some of these. Say, Gee, how in the world would they do this? So you're talking in a different way of of mixing local product that uh, is coming from a lot of different places, but you're putting it together for these products. Whereas the model that is is the major model right now is pulling sources of lean from everywhere in the world. I say everywhere. It's almost all Southern Hemisphere. It's almost all South America uh, that's that's coming in here, but not exclusively. There's some that's gotten here from some other areas as well. And so the mixture is is different all the time. Sometimes it'd be Ecuador, Brazil, Argentina, and so forth, which is disturbing to me on some levels. You're right. We, we're basically. I mean, that is the that is the logical way to do it, right? If you're you need to if you need a huge volume, you need to blend from a lot of different sources. Um, we're just trying to do a couple of things: revitalize the rural communities of California, which have been devastated by the concentration in the in the meat and food system. That has destroyed, as you and I have talked about in the past. When I was a kid, the rural communities of California looked a lot healthier than they do now. There are sure. a lot of rundown communities because we have taken the wealth out by concentrating um, production in specific places where the money, uh, you know, large corporations are basically taking all the profits. So we're trying to revitalize by bringing back um, uh, processing and value added to regional communities. The other thing we're trying to do is is have a positive uh, influence on the the battle against climate change because the countries that you mentioned, particularly Brazil, um, have been creating a lot of the greenhouse gas emissions in order to raise beef by cutting down the rainforests. So there's a lot, I mean, the students really don't want to see that in the University of California. They want to end that kind of thing. So by bringing um, the producers from California who are practicing regenerative farming, that is building soil, protecting species, capturing water, treating their animals well, that's who these students and these hospital systems want to buy their meat from. Yeah. Boy. What an ambitious uh, and worthwhile undertaking, and you, you've got you've got a lot in front of you yet. And I'm very intrigued on these next stages, though, as far as to what extent, uh, who keeps the title, and at what stage in the process it belongs to the farmers or belongs to the processor. How many processors are involved? How you accomplish the mix? The end result, I'm 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 with you. I follow what you're saying, Michael, and I think it's a it's a good thing if we can stimulate and be able to support the local communities in areas that maybe haven't had it so well. Uh, if we can also create incentives for people that have been creative up to now to be able to use farmers markets and local direct sales and so forth, and, and that can be good for them for them too. So that that makes that makes a lot of sense. So timetable wise you've got more in front of you to get to these next next stages is going to take you another couple of years to get this i think i said well there's a couple of things the the grant the grant is scheduled to end uh a year from october so we have just over a year and a quarter to go 
on the project. Um, and we have, so we have to, we have to actually finish our, our, uh, negotiations and the work with the University of California, but we have other things we want to do. We want to have another big meeting probably in January with butchers and restaurateurs to introduce our producers to them. And then we're going to pursue the CSU system and stadiums. So we have a lot more to do in the next year um, to get all of these producers in touch, build supply chains for the different pieces. Um, if we think if we get the University of California thing done, we're going to learn a lot to know how to do it in other, and we can build off that platform to do these other supply chains. But I want to mention another thing, the same team that that I'm working with from University of California, we are part of a larger team that got a USDA um, Climate Smart Commodities Partnership Grant, which goes for five years. So um, and that is just beginning in the next month or so. So we have five more years after that. Um, that project is 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 with other half processing, which does hides uh, that go to shoe companies and and fashion companies in the United States and Europe. So it's it's about meat and all the other awful and 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 leathers that come out of uh, of the beef industry so and it's a national project but we'll have gotten a lot of 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 things started here that we can build from to move into that next project so we have a, a lot of space and time um uh to to work on this this kind of activity and we're pursuing Roots of Change is pursuing other funding to continue this work because I want to bring it to Southern California, not just Northern California, because there's a lot of ranchers on the Central Coast and in the in the Sierra uh, foothills and down in Temecula that are producing meat that could be part of this project. Well, and I'm looking on ahead and saying if we get this going and you're successful, and I hope you are successful, I think you will be successful ultimately, you're going to have other people copying this too. It's going to be going on in other parts of the country. Maybe even other countries will be looking at it, too. And so uh, rather than those 600,000 meals just that UC system is feeding people in their, in their peak days, people aren't going to have to wonder uh, whether or not their ground products came from half a dozen different countries uh, half a world away and cleared off rainforest or anything else. It's going to be much more regenerative, and it's going to be helping local communities. Yes. Michael, it sounds like the kind of thing you love to do. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm I'm quite excited. I think as I've told you when I was a kid, I would go to my cousin's cattle ranch and had a really great experience uh doing the roundups and and uh, being around the cattle uh the got the ranchers that would come for the roundups and it was a beautiful experience and so I'm really glad to get back into this space in a in a serious way with a lot of really great I mean, the ranchers that we've met from across the, uh, the northern part of the state are really great people, and they all really want to do a good job on their properties with their land and with their animals, and they want to be doing something meaningful to to, to uh, take on the challenges that we're facing today. They want to be, um, you know, solutions, uh, and they want to be recognized for that, and they should be recognized for that. I know that you spend a lot of your time talking to producers all around the country who are innovating and... and yeah. um, it's really important that the food system get um, uh, recognized and the food producers get recognized for what they're doing. So I feel great about this work and um, I'm excited to do it and, and just, you know, and I appreciate you saying you think we can, we can get it done. It's, it's daunting, but 
I think this is the best time in my lifetime to see this kind of thing happen. The state wants to see it happen. The Fed wants to see it happen. The producers need something that's much more stable than what they're living through with climate change and disease and all the regulations they have to deal with. And so, and the lack of processing. So there's a lot of things coming together here. If we can get the state to invest in a few more processing plants in specific well thought out parts of the state that's going to help tremendously there's private money that wants to join with public money so i think there's some opportunities there and we're going to work with the state on identifying where these processing plants should go um that will help a lot so um it's just great timing well and i love the stage that you're in right now too that you got people recognize the direction and you know what you want it to look like when it's all done but you're getting the farmers and you're getting the institutions all getting their hands on it with you because some of these choices yet to be made are very very crucial choices and they everybody wants to do the right thing but it's a challenge with something like this to say well what's this going to look like in 10 years and um it's important to have that in mind before you know it you could find yourself into a centralized system of some sort you say wait a minute we made a wrong turn so i know you're going to be careful about that yeah, and if other if other people want to keep track of what you're doing and uh either jump in or ask some more questions some of the californians that might still want to jump on board or get engaged but some of the people just listening to this podcast uh how can they follow what you're up to and what stage you are in this process yeah, if they go to the Roots of Change website, in fact, uh, today I've been working on an update to the page uh, based on what happened at the summit meeting. So there is going to be information. You can sign up for a, the newsletter, um, and we every month put out a newsletter and has an update on this project. We're going to have another big, like you came to that dinner, and it was delicious, wasn't it? It, wasn't it was. Great. Dinner. Yeah, we had some great chefs working on it, the Mulvaney's team. Uh, uh, and then we had a Dusky Estes there uh, from the Food Channel. We had really good crew. We had an incredible butcher there who did a demonstration, broke uh, and uh, uh, half a beef down and showed how it gets cut up. It was amazing. Um, and then, so we're going to do another event like that with a dinner following in the city of San Francisco, probably mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, sometime in January. And people can come to that. As the dinner you came to was open to the public. We had people who are not in the meat industry, um, not a rancher, not a processor, didn't come to the summit, just want to be part of um, buying good meat, maybe less meat, better meat. Um, so, uh, you know, they're, they're willing to do what it takes to, to support this effort to create a, a regenerative meat system. So they can buy signing up for our newsletter, which is on the Roots of Change website. We'll keep them informed and invite them to our big dinner. I think the butcher that you featured has been a guest on my farm to table talk. Yes. And uh, actually, uh, somebody commented to me that was a head of a large city's school system and listened to him and was inspired. So there's some people that are regular listeners to farm to table talk that might uh, tune in and want to figure out how they jump on the bandwagon here. Fantastic. Michael Demick, it's always great talking to you. You're you're a friend, and I admire the way that you jump on these challenges and helping us battle to get things in a better place for the food system. So yeah. thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk again. Thank you, Roger, and I really appreciate your podcast. I listen to it, and uh, I always you. In fact, there have been some really good uh, livestock people that I've really been inspired by that you've interviewed through the through the years. So I really appreciate that, and thank you for asking me. And thanks for coming to the dinner. And I hope you'll come in January down to the city. 
Oh, you bet. You know, you know me well enough that I haven't turned down very many invitations to dinner, and I'm not going to start now. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 